Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. Um, this is the first time we've actually talked about adaptation prevention, um, why we have this phase, what it means, um, all of those things that, that maybe you just kind of went along with and sort of was like, okay. Um, this time we're really gonna explain it and um, the reason why we do it. So excited to have you guys on. Um, just for, um, if you don't know who we are, <laughs> I'll um, let's introduce ourselves for a second, but I am Susie Glassman, obviously been a coach here with Eat to Perform for a while. Um, since Thanksgiving's coming up, I will talk about Thanksgiving plans. Uh, we do not travel on Thanksgiving because we always travel on Christmas. So luckily we will be in town and my mother-in-law's coming. So um, looking forward to a little bit of time off and some good food. Amber, your turn. Hey guys, Amber here. Um, gosh, I'll tell you, for Thanksgiving we go to my mother-in-law's and Thursday we do Thanksgiving and Friday we do Christmas. So it's kind of a whirlwind all at once. So I've done a little bit of Christmas shopping already, a little bit, um, a little ahead of the game, so that's good. Um, looking forward to that time with family and super excited for um, the holiday and to eat some turkey, I can't wait. All right, Ed, what are you doing? Yeah, so I'm going to my brother-in-law's parents' house. So we go there uh, for Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve, and then I just uh, hang out with my immediate family for Christmas. So looking forward to all the food, too. Awesome. All right, Paul, how about you? Are you guys aware? See, I did it just then. Um, but is everyone aware that the idea of saying you guys is like um, somewhat controversial in the in the corporate world, right? Um, so women in the corporate world, and I believe that this is correct. I actually try to, my wife gets me on this all the time, right? So I, you'll see this a lot when I do like videos online where I go, hey everyone, and the reason why I do that is because my wife is retraining me, but I am an old dog, right? So, like, I, you just have to think of her as, like, using a, um, you know, what, like, taser on me, you know? So I actually say, hey, everyone, since, hey, guys. But but you did it, I did it, and so did Amber. And I even know that you're not supposed to do it. Um, and so, um, so that's something to think about. Uh, so my Thanksgiving is so awesome. Uh, my brother-in-law does it every year. We go downtown. I don't know if we're going to do it this year. I have a feeling that this is one of those traditions that is going to um, – <laughs> I know it's coming here in the next four days. Um, but we have this tradition where we go to this 5K um, and, uh, yeah, so – Anyway, long story short, um, we do that. But there's this picture of me in a turkey outfit, and uh, I will share it with the group once uh, once it's there because I'm like this angry turkey because my wife is taking like 15 pictures, you know, <laughs> just to get the perfect right turkey picture, and it's like seven <laughs> below, you know. Um, so I, I'll send it to you guys so you, you can see the – the cranky turkey picture, but here's what I don't get. Why don't we eat stuffing 
more. Stuffing is awesome. It's a great carb. It's a starch. It tastes awesome. But for some reason, I don't eat stuffing through the, throughout the year, and I, I totally should. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I love stuffing. That's funny. You know what? I used to do a 5K every single year on Thanksgiving. I would do like a 5K and then a 10K. And then, but I lived in Texas and it was like, I don't know, 60 degrees. And now that I'm in Colorado, it's like five degrees on Thanksgiving. I haven't done a 5K on Thanksgiving in like eight years. So. Well, the problem that we run into is that we have teenage girls now, right? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm see like even see the problem is is that even as I'm talking about this, are they young women? <laughs> you know, like the minute you start going down this guys, girls, women, men rabbit hole, you just never stop. You know. Um, all right, um, Susie, you are a little pixelated, so I don't know if you want to move to just webcam, but I am getting oh. some notifications. Um, okay. So I'm gonna turn off my webcam, that should help. I did get a thing that said my internet connection was slow. Um, so hopefully that will help, but thanks for letting me know that. No uh, problem. All right, so moving on, um, obviously your turn. The next slide, we're gonna have you guys talk about some accomplishments from the week. And then obviously the topic of the week is adaptation prevention. And at the end, we will get into our Q&A. Oops, I just do that. So again, if you're familiar with building blocks, then you know what this part is about. But we talk about some recent achievements, things that we're working on, um, non-scale related, scale related. So we'll go through this quickly and then we'll get into our topic. Um, but I was thinking about it this week and I think my biggest achievement, um, I was talking to every once in a while, I have a like a counselor slash therapist I go see. And so we were talking about the importance of stillness in your life and how you know, if you look around in nature, there's always moments of, of stillness and our bodies need that too. So I have started a little bit of a meditation practice. <laughs> I'm starting with like five minutes um, because I'm learning how to slow down. Um, but I think it's been good this week. So um, Amber, do you have anything? Um, I've done that too. And Headspace is a fantastic app. Uh, that I've used, uh, which is great. You'll have to check that one out for um, your goal. So yeah. one of the things that I've been working on is getting steps. I find that I get caught up in answering messages and doing my reviews. And then it, all of a sudden I look down at my watch and I've got, you know, 1200 steps and it's, you know, two o'clock. So one of the things that I've been doing is um, texting a friend my steps and kind of setting up a challenge so that that encourages me to get out and walk more and take a few more breaks. So back to yeah, you. Yeah, that's great. Amber and I have done that a little bit too this week, texting each other. And so um, <laughs> it's definitely motivating. So if you have a spouse, um, a friend, somebody you want to challenge like that, um, that's a really good idea for getting more steps into your day. But um, Ed, your turn. Yeah, so I actually want to bring up two things what you guys were just talking about. So Headspace is awesome. Um, I actually use an app called Calm. That's a really good one. I like that one a lot. Um, but I just, I use that every single day for self meditation and uh, uh, breathing techniques, like uh, two minutes of just breathing. Um, and then for steps, 
you know, if you guys both have Fitbits, you could actually add each other and then you could compete against who has more steps in a day. So that's another thing you can do. I don't know if you knew if, if you guys both have that or not, but that's something that I do with my friends and family. Um, so it gets me to try to get more steps in a day. Um, but for, for my um, non-scale victory, I actually started taking naps. I've never been able to take naps ever. Uh, just started like maybe a week ago. So it's awesome. Uh, I get probably 20 to 30 minutes and I love it. So happy. <laughs> there you go, Paul. You have a convert. Yeah. A fellow yeah, so, so that's kind of similar to mine. I don't meditate, I nap. Um, and uh, I find that naps are better meditation than, than meditation, even. Yeah. Um, and so that's something to think about. Um, this week, uh, since since I've come back to the CrossFit gym that where where I initially started my fitness journey, and that's not completely true, but it's close to true. Um, the uh, we've had rope climbs a couple times, and you know while it's not a new accomplishment or anything like that, um, when I you know started CrossFit. Yeah, I came in first day at 162 pounds, so I was a lot smaller than I am now with a lot less muscle. And so um, what's been interesting is being, you know, above 190 now with a lot more muscle is how good I am still at a lot of that stuff, you know. Um, the fact that I can still do uh, – rope climbs is one of those things that – you know, unless you're eight years old, you know, <laughs> you, you just don't think about doing. So if you're a 50 year old man and, and you climb the rope five times, you know, um, that's that's a pretty cool accomplishment. And so that is my accomplishment for this week. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, OK, Amber, I'm going to let you read off some of these. Um, start with that first one, because everyone should know what day it is. <laughs> so today's my birthday. <laughs> so um my friend chris says happy birthday so thank you thank you my friend she got accepted um to her triathlon team and a back squat pr which is fantastic liz uh is taking some zma which is making a big difference in her sleep quality i love zma i take that too um sylvie is making sure she's getting steps there you go. She's getting at least 10,000 steps while she's in fat loss. Fantastic. April had somebody compliment her at the gym. Oh, I love some compliments. That's so great when somebody says, hey, you're looking awesome. Uh, Tracy says naps are great. She likes those too. Um, let's see. Oh, Karen says for uh, did better this week, getting up from her desk more often to get some steps throughout the day. You know, my watch does a little I don't know if you guys have this, but my watch will like it'll beep and say time to get up and move, which is a great reminder um, for me to do that and get up and move. So um, Sylvie does ask if naps since Ed and Paul, you guys mentioned naps if you count them as part of your eight hours of sleep in the day, because she struggles to get eight hours of sleep um, at night since she gets up so early. Yeah, it counts. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. 
Deborah got a deadlift PR. Um, holy smokes, you added 30 pounds to your deadlift. It's fantastic. I would love to add 30 pounds to a lift. Um, let's see, Susan, I'm gonna read one, one more. Um, let's see. Oh, Alyssa went to a standing desk. I went to a standing desk, um, which has helped her back. And, um, ooh, well, okay, one more, one more, I'm sorry. Tracy PR'd her Diane time. For those that don't know, Diane is deadlift, deadlifts and handstand push-ups. It's one of my favorite workouts. It's super fast, really fun, which is great. And um, hit a weight goal too, so. All right, Susie, I'm gonna have to hand it over. I'm just gonna keep going, so. I don't know if I would qualify that as super fun, but um, <laughs> I'll go with you on that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so now we'll get into our topic. Um, so we're gonna start here. I'm gonna have Paul kind of go through the majority of this because he's actually just been through this. Um, so, but here's the question we get, you know, whether you finish the first round um, or the second round, you know, fat loss is over. Um, so now what? Um, and I have these bullet points here. These are the main questions we get. So I kind of want Paul to go through these and then Amber, Ed, and I will comment. Um, but first question is always, you know, am I going to gain my weight back? Um, can't I just stay here? <laughs> and then, but what if I want to lose more? So Paul, go into these questions and, and how you typically address them. So in terms of gaining weight back, you know, I always kind of put that challenge back onto the person, right? So, you know, as most people know, or, you know, I mean, if you listen to this three years from now, the, I just came out of fat loss and um, I'm in AP. I've had three hits so far and my weight is still going down. It's not logical when you think of the fear related to gaining weight back, but it's not illogical either. Right. Especially as it relates to the ongoing message that food is bad for you and that you can't have food as an ally. The simple fact of the matter is, is that weight is going to fluctuate. There's really not a whole lot that you can do about it. You really want to kind of focus on, you know, kind of the highs and lows. Right. And, um, you know, kind of control both sides. And then, um, you know, in terms of, I would say at the beginning part of AP, you should still be losing a little bit of weight, right? Because you're you're coming from kind of this deficit way of eating and it really is only 140 calories. So it's not like a lot of calories that are coming back. So you kind of do have to lose the food is evil thing that you have kind of going on in your head. Um, and I'm going to even challenge you more than that. The whole point of each of a form and the reason why this is so revolutionary compared to the way that everybody else is doing things is we're actually saying that's the most important piece. Right. And so what happens is, is you you get into fat loss and, you know, we could talk about it in the later question, but, um, you know, it's kind of miserable. Your your mood starts to change and things of this nature. It shouldn't be just your mood that gets better. It shouldn't be just the options that get better. It really, you have to sort of change your mindset a lot. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as the slides go by. But I need everybody to understand that the whole purpose is that 
food is your ally, that you're in control, and that the calories are not in control, right? So you have to buy into that idea. Otherwise, you're just always going to want to undereat or you're always going to be in fear of food. And that's not obviously the long-term game plan. Um, I don't think we see as much of can I just stay in fat loss now because the cycles are more aggressive. Occasionally, you will hear people saying it kind of more to extend a fat loss cycle. We set these up specifically because you get a lot of impact in a very short period of time. And then when you look at the, the AP cycles in particular, where you're not necessarily the reverse cycle, um, but the AP cycle is really setting up that second stage of fat loss, right? That is more aggressive. So the last question, but I want to lose more pounds, is really more uh, after the reverse. It's not necessarily an AP because, you know, in the AP section, even if you're doing something like a stop and go where, you know, you did the first round, you go on vacation, and then you come back to do the second round, your calories would have gone up. But the general understanding is that it's that second round that's going to really suck, you know, and that is only three weeks, right? Um, the the first cycle for fat loss is 28 days and the um, the other is three weeks. And so the AP phase is really only two weeks. So we're trying to get you food really fast, right, to set up that, that second round. So... Yeah, that's my answer. I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Well, and I'll I'll say, you know, from my experience, what I see a lot of the times is I would totally agree with Paul that during sort of that AP1, um, and as you guys know, um, we number these. So AP1 means that your your first day in adaptation prevention, AP2 means, you know, it's been so many days, AP3, et cetera. So AB1 and AP2, I often see weight continue to go down. And sometimes I will see somebody who's been struggling to hit their weight goal, hit it at like EP2. So um, one of the reasons, and we can, we can talk about why adding more food is important um, and exactly why we call it adaptation prevention, is just, you know, now all of a sudden your, your body has that a little bit of extra energy, but it's not so many calories that all of a sudden weight loss is just, done right so i might add in you know 120 calories and sometimes maybe it's smaller it depends on what your next step is um but the fear that all of a sudden more food means uh more weight i see time and time again that that just isn't true um, can i just speak to there's really only You know, I know that there's a real negative connotation. I'm not really trying to go there, right? But when you view food as an enemy and you view getting more food back as not the normal state, it's similar to an abusive relationship, right? Whether that relationship is with a person, whether it's food, whether it's with clothes, you know, in general, you have to kind of cuddle up to the thing that makes you more whole not the thing that makes you less whole. And I feel like that needs to be said in this regard because 
In the one instance that Susie and I are talking about, you're in charge. In the other instance, you're not in charge. The only thing that works is you constantly cuddling up to the abuse part where you're not eating enough or you're not enough or you're not this or you're not that. We're saying to you, and we're very unique in this regard, right? There's a lot of people in this industry that are going to sell you on the idea that you are broken. And the reason why they sell you on the idea that you're broken is because it's easier to sell you on supplements. It's easier to sell you on training programs. It's easier to sell you on everything. If I say to you, you're broken and I can fix you. That's not what we say. What we say is, you, if you're broken, you can fix you and we'll help you fix you, but you're the one in charge, right? And the whole health and fitness industry is built around this idea that they're going to give you fish, right? They're going to give you fat loss. They're going to give you abs. They're going to give you this and that. And what we're saying is, with the approach that we have, is that you give you abs, you give you whatever. It's just a matter of the amount of effort that you have at that that given moment. And we, we just up those toggles left and right as coaches. Yeah, good analogy. Um, I will ask both of you, but I'll start with Amber. What other things do you kind of see at the very end of fat loss going into AP? Yeah, just like you mentioned, the fear. Uh, the fear of adding food, that people aren't done. And if they're not done, that they can't have food back and that mentality. But like Paul keeps, has mentioned, that this is a special sauce kind of thing that we offer here is, and what sets us apart is the AP phase. It's not just about going low and lower and lower, 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 and then you're eating a cube of cheese and that's it. It's It's about having the different phases in order to achieve your goal. Yeah, well said. Um, Ed, any additional comments? Yeah, so I would just agree with what everyone is saying. Um, for me personally, I lost 15 pounds on a fat loss cycle earlier this year. And then I started gaining a little bit because I was just starving. And then I did an AP phase, uh, which is adaptation prevention, and I lost an additional five pounds. And my calories got up pretty, like, pretty significantly because I only did one cycle. But the point is, it's not necessarily more food is going to make you gain more weight. Um, and this phase is to prevent you from plateauing uh, if you decide to do that second round of fat loss. So we don't want you to plateau because your body will, um, over time, get used to those low calories. So, you know, this is very, very important part of the phase. And, you know, just try to try to continue to stay in the green for clients who know what that means, just following the plan. So we have that ca that calorie runway to pull down on your plan again to set you up really well for the second round of fat loss. I think, I think a lot of people get lost in what Ed just said, right? Where he said, you know, I lost five pounds when I went into AP. Mm -hmm. it, it, what that sounds like is, ooh, some magic fairy dust was sprinkled on Ed <laughs> And that, no, what Ed is saying is, is that when the food came back, he used that food with additional effort, right? And that resulted in better body composition, right? Yes. So this is what I say 
whenever you're thinking to yourself, well, I wonder if this magical plan that Eat the Performance is coming up with is, is going to get me what, no, it, it, it what all we're doing, I always say this whenever we get like a transformation or before and after, because all these other programs out there, they say to you, hey, look what such and such did for this person. They lost 30 pounds. And that is so disrespectful to the effort of the individual. We're not doing anything, right? We're providing you the guidance. That's what coaches do that allows for your effort to be more. Right. So when Ed says to you, he lost an additional five pounds, what you need to understand is that when you weigh 15 pounds less, you can now do 10 more pull ups. You can now, you know, run a little faster. Weightlifting doesn't necessarily work that that way. But I can tell you, knowing that when I weigh less, I it's a bit more of a challenge to lift a little bit more just because your body's leverages change and things of this nature. I'm up for that challenge. I, I come to it mentally because remember you have another thing on your side. It's not just the weight that you lost that works against you. You actually have food working for you. Right. And so even in the case of weightlifting, you know, I, I will say, even though I'm down close to 10 pounds, you know, my weightlifting numbers are, are, I'm throwing around some pretty serious weights. So always think of that as, as we're challenging you to be better constantly. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So this is, um, what is adaptation prevention? As we talked a little bit about this, but we'll go into it deeper. Why should you do this? Um, you know, is it just, is it game on for some nachos and margaritas? Um, what should I be doing? And then how long does this last? So, Paul, get us started on on what it is. I remember being on a phone call when we came up with um, what do we call it? You know, what is the stage? And and you came up with the, the specific words adaptation prevention. So maybe go into, um, you know, why particularly why we call it this. Well, actually, Brad came up with this. And it's interesting because um, we knew this way back in the day. It's funny because I used to do a presentation uh, in live seminars called the wave method, right? And a lot of people remember the wave method. Um, adaptation prevention is simply the best way to do what ultimately I was talking about, right? And at that time, I would draw it on paper and it, it would look a certain way. And then now we can go in and look in files and they look exactly like what I was drawing on paper from a conceptual standpoint. But here's the main point of adaptation prevention. Why does your body adapt to stimulus, right? Because there's homeostatic pressure in whatever you do. So homeostatic pressure, as an example, is often used with sleep. And so one day you wake up at 2 a.m. and then the next day you wake up at 2 a.m. It's like, well, why did that happen? Your body's always looking for balance. And so your body will often get kind of these weird signals. And so all of a sudden you end up waking up at, at 2 a.m. And so you have to make adjustments and fight after, over some of those days. Weight loss is one of those things. And I saw a video actually that, that Susie can speak, speak on 
But most people don't push homeostasis near enough as it relates to the exercise thing. But there is one part where they really do push homeostasis really hard, and that's dieting, right? And so what ends up happening is they get really aggressive with the dieting, really aggressive with the diet, really aggressive with the dieting, and then it causes kind of hormonal dysfunction, thyroid problems, hair falling out, nails get brittle, things of this nature, right? So what adaptation prevention is meant to do is to stop plateaus, right? Plateaus is one of the most important thing as it relates to because relates to dieting because plateaus are speaking to how your body seeks that balance and homeostasis over time, right? And so what the adaptation prevention does is it gives you your medicine as fast as possible. When you think about this is really interesting to think about eat to perform. When you're in fat loss, you only have two low days a week, right? So a lot of people will focus on those two days and it's like, oh God, those low days are so miserable. How am I going to get through those? Well, think about the way that most people diet. They just eat like that the whole time, right? And so what they're doing is basically giving their body an easy target to adjust to, right? The reason why the days undulate is so that your body can't adjust to it as easy. Now, your body's going to figure it out. Your body's way smarter than you are, right? It's had evolution to deal with this type of stuff over time. But when you look at, so oftentimes we'll have somebody say, you know, between fat loss and, and the AP phase, I'm down right at 10 pounds. And that is over the course of, of five weeks. I don't know what people think they're supposed to get in that time period, right? But that is really good. Like if 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 I could grant wishes, right? I would love to grant the whole lose 10 pounds of, of lose 10 pounds really of fat, right? Because you are much more likely to be losing fat when you're not just pulling all the water out of your body, right? Um one thing I do want to say though, I don't know if I said this already, but I did not create the words adaptation prevention. Um, Brad did. And um, but when you look at you know the wave method presentation that I did back in the day, that was really, really good. But when you look at how we've evolved over time and how we've gotten better and better and better you essentially go from kind of this way of thinking that's not the medicine in a constrictive window, right? And so that's that's kind of the basic idea there. Um, in terms of the nachos and margaritas, um, you know, I, I think that's a little bit of kind of the old dieting behavior, right? Because the old dieting behavior is, oh, I'm going to undereat. For a really long time, and this is going to be my meal as a congratulations to myself that that you made it. And then when I'm done, I'm going to go back to just eating meats and veggies, right? And once again, we have to sort of talk about that food as an enemy message that you send to yourself in that situation. And so, dieting and diets in general 
the whole idea that we call adaptation prevention is something that even Weight Watchers has been talking about since 1960s, that you can't just eat low, right? But the problem is, is that's not the way that the internet sends messages these days, right? Because of social media, this idea that everybody needs to suffer and they need to suffer as much as possible, as long as possible, so we can all have eight back cabs, so we don't need washing machines. We can just use our abs, you know, just to make sure that all of our clothes are clean and that's not reality. That is not the bigger problem we're trying to solve at Eat to Perform. What we're, you know, when I look at the future of health and fitness, it seems to me that it's going to be a lot easier to control or be aware of your consumption as it relates to photographs, as it relates to the amount of information that you're getting from the restaurants. And the restaurants have a major incentive to get you this information, right? And so when we look at, you know, the friends of yours that are, are, they don't, they eat minus 16 carbs a day, you know, and, and, you know, they do ultra marathons and, and it could totally be done. You know, um, it's like, there are things that might be able to be done, but is it the best way to do it? Right. And if it's the best way to do it simply because you're suffering more than everybody else, it's this idea that suffering is the secret, right? And I would say if you're choosing suffering, I would choose suffering where you're in charge rather than suffering where some magical carb fairy or calories or something, right? There's no secrets anymore, people, right? All the secrets are out there. This is why we have PhDs on staff. This is why we have the training certification and things like this, right? The Everything is known. There are no secrets, you know. And so if you can buy into that idea and use these these phases, you're going to view food as part of the answer. So what's going to happen is when your calories are normal, you're actually eating mostly whole foods, mostly, you know, foods that contribute to your situation in volume. So then when you do have margaritas and nachos, you don't see this gigantic weight spike because your body has to adjust to this massive change to your system. It won't be a massive change to your system because even though it doesn't look like margaritas and nachos, you are eating a certain amount of protein. You're eating a certain amount of carbohydrates. That's allowing you to go to the gym more. And oh, by the way, there's a little piece of that too. If you're under eating, you do not feel pressure to go to the gym, right? So you see all these people that are under eating and then secretly you're like, man, Marge hasn't been to the gym in two months. You know, Marge is starving, right? And Marge has given herself permission to not go to the gym because she's starving, right? And so when you look at kind of waving in and out, this idea where food is an ally on occasion, occasionally we're gonna eat a little bit less, the majority of the time. Look, this is scientifically well known. If you talk to anybody who actually knows what they're talking about, long diet breaks are the way to go. 
so much so that that's what the normal needs to look like, and that's been the emphasis of Eat the Perform. But it is a little bit harder to sell people on the idea that you have to take a long-term view, right? So, you know, should you have nachos and, and, and margaritas like AP1? Probably not, right? You probably want to save that for around AP3, AP4, you know, um, maybe have that before the second round of fat loss. But I think most eating performers understand that they can eat margaritas and, and nachos anytime they choose. So there's it's, there's not like this novelty to it, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I mentioned it, uh, the, uh, we, we, we do change this a little bit from time to time just because, you know, sometimes we, we see something that might work better for someone. So this is a little bit the coach's discretion, but, but, but AP2, yeah, I'd say 99.7% of the time is 14 days. And then, um, as we start to reverse, we reverse around six, uh, yeah, around 21 days. Um, Amber is the breadcrumb person. Am I a liar there, Amber? T tell me if I'm wrong, because I want to make sure that that's, that's correct in terms of breadcrumbs. You are correct. There's four messages in method two, and there's six messages in method four. So method two is 14 days, and method four is 21 days. So just so you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, this sounds really cool, food is an ally, blah, 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 blah. Breadcrumbs, well, one, it should tell you that bread's okay. It's not that big of a deal, right? <laughs> um, secondly, it also guides you on your eat to perform journey so that you can follow along. Right. So, you know, when we look at, you know, fat loss phase, you know, you can follow along, see how things are going. Um, you know, when you look at any other coaching program out there, there isn't this long term game plan. I think every coach here. I mean, I'll just let you guys speak to it. But. When someone goes to fat loss. For 28 days, they're green, right? With other diet plans, people tend to deviate more because they don't really know when the end game is, right? I think that that concise period for both the first part for adaptation prevention. Now, is it a tendency as an example? For instance, I have a private client um, that wants to sort of do her own thing because the old tapes play and food is, you know, food is an enemy. Um, and I'm on her. I'm like, look, you got to give me greens and adaptation prevention and not just fat loss, right? Because we're setting up something bigger and we're not going to, if you, if your goal is just to stay the same, then, then do your plan. Right. But I need you to do my plan if we're trying to get better. And my plan is that as we move to adaptation prevention, we need food. But is that what you see, Amber? Do you see that people tend to be a little bit more compliant because they understand the general direction um, and things of that nature? Sure. I mean, you, you can mark the days off on your calendar. There's a timeline so you can muster that motivation and that mental aspect we talked about in the last podcast 
wrap your mind around it and, you know, uh, move forward instead of just uh, floundering because you don't know when it's ever going to be over. I think that's a huge uh, benefit that we offer and is truly the mental game, knowing when the end is so I can maintain that drive and that motivation. Absolutely. Any thoughts on that, Ed? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think it's really unique. We kind of give our clients um, a preview of how what their macros will be before they go into fat loss, too, so they can plan ahead. And most of them do know how long it is. And if they don't, we always tell them. So we make sure that if they have vacations or something coming up that may, you know, we, we make sure to plan it properly to set them up for success. Yeah, I think what I think what ends up happening is that for the good majority of people that fail with any kind of diet or any kind of food intervention or anything like that is that they fail because there's this nebulous idea, right? You always kind of lose a little bit more water in the beginning, right? And so essentially, you know, that's very motivating at the time and if you're doing a, a diet like keto or something like that it's really motivating but it ends up just being water and you kind of get this you know i hate this term i wish they had was a better term but sort of skinny fat look right you with eat form in the way that we do it you're going to be more hydrated in that process and so what happens is you know around week one maybe even week two the process starts to get slower right and it becomes much more of a grind and 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 you end up going from you know you're really trying to get like a a pound a week there maybe a pound and a half is really good but but having these massive expectations right is something that you want to be a little bit careful i know the tendency is when you lose that first water weight to go ooh i hope it keeps coming like this you almost have to embrace the part that's the grind, right? Because at that point, when I say you're more likely to be losing fat, that's why I say that, right? Because the more you can keep moving in the picture, the more you can stay somewhat appropriately fed because what you see in both the AP phases and the fat loss phases is there's gradual movements both up and down, right? And so this idea that 140 calories is going to make you skinny or that 140 calories is going to make you fat is not, does not jive with reality. Cool. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's a couple things that I was going to comment on. I went with, with what you just said. Um, more than one to one and a half percent of your body weight per week um, is going to end up somewhat muscle related. So when we're talking about just dropping fat, that is gained and lost. Oh, I'm echoing. Um, at relatively slow rates. So if you're thinking, you know, 10 pounds in five weeks, that's fantastic. Um, but I wouldn't really want to see more than that because we're trying to just lose fat. Um, and then the other thing I want to comment on too is this sort of, you know, power of the tribe mentality. So we, when people think that, um, you know, it's all about, suffering, it's all about, all about picking up like, you know, your favorite foods and all those things. Um, 
it's our human behavior to want to be wrong with the crowd rather than be right as an individual. So at each perform, we've been fighting an uphill battle and more and more and more people are coming over to see what we see. Um, but you'll see, you know, friends at my gym who are going on these long fasts, um, who are trying to work out super hard on low carbs. Um, it's that power of just, maybe this is wrong, but this is what everybody else is doing. Um, when you secretly, you know what's right. And so I may be preaching to the choir a little bit, um, but I definitely you know, think that, um, you know, stand on your own as an individual and know what's right. And, you know, you don't have to suffer 365 days a year to get where you want to go. Well, and the hard part about what you're saying is that when you have a fitness role model, right, and they give you bad messages like that, um, it can send people down a bad rabbit hole, right? And um, I just don't, you know, like like you said, I just don't understand why you would go to the gym and not view the gym as the bigger answer, right? This idea, you know, trainers often put this out there. Well, you know, abs are made in the kitchen. It's like, no, no. I mean, that that's a really bad trainer thing to say, trainer guy, right? Because, you know, I don't know if you know this, but abs are muscles. And I just paid you. $120 a, a month to get me muscles. So it seems like food might be a pretty important part of that thing, right? So I would prefer you not talk to me about the part that you don't know shit about. And then let's talk about this part that you actually know shit about. Because honestly, this whole part about you getting me muscles was the part that I was paying you for. And now you're saying to me, you might not know that much about that. So it brings into question your whole model. I think that, you know, there, there is this idea kind of related to the whole suffering idea is that if we all just suffered more, if we were all just idiots and just did this really simple thing, right, and just didn't eat for a week, right? That it's somehow sprinkled with fairy dust and then we'll all have abs. And it's like, I don't know how this is getting any of us healthier. And I think mentally it's fucking a lot of people up. Right. And I always put an explicit thing and every now and again, but there's sometimes you have to use words with emphasis and a lot of people are getting messed up and they are getting messed up because they're on the gram, right? And they're following all these people that have been working out since they were seven years old, right? And that's their life. That's their livelihood. And so is that you? Is that healthy for you? Is that mentally the right approach for you? And if you cuddle up to that message, what does that say about you, right? Why are you seeking so much less so fast, right? When you logically know that the other approach is better, the the more you know long term view is better. And yeah, I get it. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna fast for 48 days straight and just drink salt, right? 
And then once you're done, everything's going to be back to normal and you're going to come back to beast mode. Do you really think that's how it's going to work? You know what's going to work is you're going to end up being depressed, no hair, no nails, thyroid screwed, you know, and all these different types of things. And, and what for? What for? What was all that shit for? Right? And, and that's the thing that I think people need to understand and need to embrace, right? And then when somebody like me says that to them and they're shaking really loudly and going, you know what? I think that Paul guy's right. I've been taking shortcuts my whole fucking life. I really would like to just take this long-term view, right? And if you can do that, it will change your life, right? So it's clues yeah. I'm a little passionate about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so just to move on, but yes, this is, I mean, I think we're all passionate about it, to be honest. You just have a great yep. way of putting your whole body into it. Um, but this slide we really just already addressed. I mean, who's in charge? You know, using calories as an ally, what should I be doing? So a lot of times we're talking about fat loss. You've lost your energy a bit. Uh, maybe you've taken additional rest days. Um, you know, maybe you've, you've cut back on the intensity. I mean, now is the time. Um, wait, I, Paul, I have a quote from you. Oh, uh, in your podcast with Meredith, you were like, now it's on, right? Like, this is when you're going to start pushing that lever again. You're going to bring those workouts back. Um, and that's how, you know, like Ed said, that's how you can continue to lose weight. Um, but, you know, here we are with more calories. Um, and then some of this also depends on are you going to round two or are you going back to recomp, which we can talk about. Uh, but, Paul, any additional thoughts on this? I want to talk about that right now. Okay. This Go seems on. contrary to my overall message, right, that um, I would encourage people to do the second round because I'm the food is an ally guy, right? Like I'm not – you know, trying to get people to eat less. If you're a private client of mine, you know that I've never encouraged you to not do the second round, right? Because this is why, you know, it reminds me of that Bill Parcells quote where he's in the Super Bowl and it's like the fourth quarter and he's talking to his team. He's like, this is why you lift all those weights, right? <clears throat> all that time in the gym, all that food, it's setting up something big, right? And if you don't go to the second round, now sometimes life does not really fair, right? And you don't go through the second round for many reasons, right? Your child got pneumonia, you know, there's just all these different things that, that end up happening. But I would encourage you to follow the whole path through, right? because that is how it's designed, you know? And if you look at why you may have been successful, maybe not successful, what you have to ask yourself is, did I take the time where I'm not dieting serious, right? And was that going to be the, the thing that allowed me to take advantage of these, these fat loss cycles? Um, and realistically, did I really get to the runway or did I kind of panic, right? Because I see people that get obsessed about two to three pounds worth of fluctuation 
and it costs them 15 pounds, right? And we see that on a daily basis. And as coaches, we have to try to walk you through that. And realistically, how easy is it to say to someone, you need to have food as an ally and their weight's up, right? Um, so we try to approach that as, you know, as an individual. But as you're walking into this process, if you cannot get over that place where food is an ally and that your weight fluctuates, you're kind of your own worst enemy. And I have somebody that I'm thinking of just right out the gate that has a million different life things going on that's very difficult to navigate. And she just can't get out of her head that, you know, she wants to be a certain weight. And the certain weight that she wants to get to is actually not even that big a deal. But it is a big deal when you don't have the runway to get there, right? So in a sense, she's where she's at, and she wants to be granted a wish, right? So it's my job as her coach to tell her to stop wishing and start to take control. And in that process, you know, every other day, I have to tell her, hey, look, weight's going to go up. Weight's going to go down, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, if we're looking to lose 15 pounds, which is about the amount that we're looking to lose, then we need to stick to the game plan because, you know, this is actually interesting because I'll, I'll, I'll lay out something that, that is a little bit of a secret, but on a technology side, we're building out what ultimately is going to be something that no one else has. And it's going to represent your metabolism, right? And the value of the metabolism. Because I think every coach here can relate to the fact that um, there'll be people that were eating 1,100 calories three years ago, and, you know, they're 127 pounds and 5'7", and now they're eating 2,800 calories, and they're like, but nothing's changed. It's like <laughs> calories has changed. Your whole relationship with the gym has changed. You know, day to day, we don't see things as individuals that are represented by data. Right. And I would say we've not done a real great job with that piece. And we're working really hard to do a better job of representing what is I think we would all agree the most important part is that runway, that metabolism, right? People people talk about metabolism as if it's like some woo-hoo fairyland type stuff, right? That metabolism, oh, I have a broken metabolism. You, almost nobody does. Metabolism is very dynamic, right? It's really some combination of your muscle. It's going to be some combination of your digestion. It's going to be some combination of the food that you eat. So if you're not eating food, guess what? You're not digesting food, right? It, it, you know, if you look at it realistically and think to yourself, what he seems to be saying is, is that I control my metabolism. And when I undereat, that that actually is not favorable as it relates to metabolism. Ding, 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 ding. That's the whole concept of eating form, right? So there you go.
There you go. <laughs> um, I'm going to move to the next slide because I want to spend some time on this one. And then Amber and Ed, you can give your comments too. Um, we are right at an hour, but I hope you guys will stick around because we'll do some questions after this. Um, but this also becomes um, a very important question. Um, you know, so when can I do it again? So I've gotten through, you know, my two rounds. I've done adaptation prevention. I'm back in recomp. Um, but I've still got more weight to lose. Um, so, you know, how quickly can I pull this card? Um, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about why we do recomp. You've already hinted at that. The, the real work, the real magic of this whole program is done in recomp, not in fat loss. Um, and then also, too, so, you know, you're um, say, you know, you're someone who worked down to kind of where you want to be. Um, maybe you hit your goal weight or, you know, maybe you just feeling great. And I feel like maybe I don't need to lose more weight, but how can I use a fat loss cycle to manage my weight? Um, so let's start there, Paul. How about, um, you know, what happens when I have significant weight to lose? First of all, I'm going to crush this section. <laughs> <laughs> I just want everybody to know that. Um, okay. So the basis of eat to perform is pretty simple in math is that Paul ate 5,000 calories a day and lost 100 pounds, right? And you go, well, how did Paul do that? That sounds amazing. I would like to do that, you know? Well, Paul worked out a lot, right? It was really, you know, you, you go, man, that sounds really simple. At the time, you know, I was basically sort of transitioning into what became Eat to Reform, but I, I had a lot of time on my hands and so I was going to the gym up to three times a day. So there was really no secret to the amount of effort that I was putting in, right? But, but here's the thing that I think that is important to all of you, is that I think that people start, and this is going to be contrary to the advice that you think that I would give you, right? I'm Paul. I'm the food guy. I'm the guy that wants you to eat ice cream. Um, the reality is, as many of you guys come into a fat loss cycle and, you know, let's say that you, you know, you're a female and you're 5'3 and you come to eat to perform at 240. And the reality is, is you've kind of wanted to be at some number much lower than 240 right? But you sat at 220 for a while and you were a little bit uncomfortable, but you could kind of go to the gym. And for the most part, you had a lot of life circumstances that didn't really set up well for you to go lower than 220. And realistically, this is the shocker for a lot of people. Many 225.3 people are actually under eating, right? And so when you think about how you lose weight, they're like, fuck if I know, right? I don't even eat that much, you know? And I don't know why I weigh this much. And then when you start to think about it and you stack it up, you start to realize that when I was eating 5,000 calories a day, not only was I hyper-focused on progress, right? But I was in charge. Right. I had to know after 10 years of dieting extremely and getting nowhere except more obese, I had to know that I was in control. Right. And so going to the gym and having that level of accomplishment and seeing myself, 
change daily was very, very motivating for me. So it kept me focused. The problem with many of the people listening to this right now is they have this 240 number where they're uncomfortable. And so they, they get from 240 and they go back to 220 and they're like, I'm good, right? Because now what's happening? Well, Paul, Amber, Ed, and Susie, we're getting you guys more food. You're feeling better about yourself. You're going to the gym. You're working out more, lifting more weights and things of this nature. And you're like, you know what? BMI is bullshit, right? I'm just going to stay 220, you know? And the reality is, is that you don't really want to be 220, right? I don't know what number you do want to be. I don't really give a shit if you want to stay 220, right? But what I do want you to do is be honest with yourself, right? Of why you're doing something or why you're not doing something. And the real reason why you don't want to go under 220 is because you know it's hard. You know it's going to take your focus. So what we suggest is that there's 60-day interval, right? So after a fat loss cycle of 60 days, you have to at least allow yourself 60 days to normalize before you can do another fat loss cycle. So when does it make sense to do that? It makes sense in the scenario that I just suggested, right? Someone was 240, they moved to 220, right? Maybe that was around the holidays. So around March, they come out of fat loss and then it's June and they're 220 and they've stayed, maybe they've even moved up to say 224, but they're like, you know what? 224, 220, you know, six to one, half dozen or the other. It's not that big of a deal. That's the part that keeps you where you are, right? And the thing that gets you going is to go, you know what? This is going to be the summer of Paul. You know, this is going to be the summer that I'm going to stay focused and I'm going to get to whatever number it is. Because even though you lost 20 pounds from 240 and you're feeling better and you, you understand food better and all this other type of stuff, the temptation is to go, well, I'm going to get to 200. One thing that I don't do, and I definitely encourage my clients to not do this as well, is stop it with the bullshit numbers. It's just hurting you, right? I mean, let's be real here. If you go from two, 224 to 210, you're a lot better off. Right. The problem is, is that you're, you're, you know, it sets up to where it's June and you don't want to be dieting in June. So now all of a sudden in June, you're 224. Summer takes over. Dairy Queen's got a new ice cream each month. And now all of a sudden you're 232 coming in September. And now we're in rinse and repeat mode. So what happens in that scenario is you have to be more focused. You have to be serious about these these cycles on a on a consistent basis. Now let's talk about the opposite person. The 115 pound 57 person. What Susie was talking about was using a fat loss cycle to manage your weight let's say once a year, right? That's something that I would encourage that person to do. But what happens a lot is that it's it's sort of 
I know that I'm painting with a very broad brush, right? Because everybody's kind of been dieting their whole life, right? But I think what happens for our athletes that are a little bit bigger is they actually appreciate the reprieve and they're okay with, you know, um, feeling better about themselves, using food as an ally and changing their view of food. The 115 pound person wants to be on this 60 day cycle and it's like this treadmill to nowhere, right? What you really want to do if you're 115, it's very common for a 5'7", 115 pound person, but, it, but some of these numbers sort of skew. I use these numbers as a way of extreme on one side or the other. If you're a runner, being 115 pounds actually is to your benefit, right? So that may make sense for you. But you constantly go in into fat loss every 60 days because your weight went to 118 pounds is sort of missing the point of what your body wants to do in the first place. Your body would like to grow. Your body would like more muscle. In the case of a 5'7 female, you know, I used to know all this stuff off the top of my head, but the average weight for like a 5'7 female, I believe, is like 172 pounds. So if you're 115 pounds, by average, you're 50 pounds underweight. There's a reason why your body would actually like to add a little bit more weight, because as you add more weight, you're going to add more muscle. That muscle is actually going to be a benefit for your running also, right? I think what happens for a lot of people that live in weight-lifted weight sports, that run, that you know, do all these things, they're just finding another way to diet all the time, right? And when you look at how you get stronger, there's a great, um, you know, she no longer works with me, so I'm not going to take credit for this piece um, or or her success from, from here on on, but I am going to take credit for this piece. I was working with an Olympic weightlifter who's probably one of the best chances that we have for a medal from the United States, right? And every single person in her sport wants her to weigh less, except me. I was like, look, you're 19 years old, you're gonna grow into your body and you're gonna be stronger. And, you know, it was one of the reasons that ultimately she left me, but I was okay with that. And when you look at Jordan Dela Cruz today, you're going to see her trying to compete at the higher point. And what that means for her is, is that she's not constantly using it as an excuse to diet down. In her instance, you know, as an Olymp you know, Olympic type athlete, that's not her goal anyway, right? But what happens for a lot of people is you, you have these goals, but realistically, you've painted yourself into this little box so you can be dieting all the time, right? And that happens with runners, that happens with Olympic weightlifters, that happens with powerlifters, right? Is that if you allow yourself to let your body grow on occasion, it's not all that bad. And more often than not, you're gonna add some lean mass. And then if we have to deal with a little bit of fat loss after that, that's a lot easier to do because your calories are high. Feel like I crushed that? <laughs> you did.
<laughs> he did. No, that was good. Um, let me just shoot to Ed first. Ed, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I Ed, love what. Ed, can you specifically address recomp though? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually, that's what I was gonna do. So, um, love what Paul said, and something I want to talk about because he mentioned it, and it kind of goes along with the recomp piece. So, metabolism. So the only way you could alter your metabolism is by adding lean body mass. Lean body mass is muscle, you know, joints, bone density. So if you do that, you increase your body's basal metabolic rate or resting metabolic rate. When you, what that means is that's how many calories you're burning just at rest if you are laying down, not doing anything. So that's kind of the key. Like you're going to work out and you might burn like 300 to 500 calories in a session, which is pretty good. But what about all the rest of that time when you're just sitting around and not in the gym? So when you do that, you're adding a lot, like your metabolism is revved up by adding that muscle. Um, you're able to eat more. You're burning more fat because you're burning more calories. So you're going to improve your body composition. So that makes it so much easier for when you do a fat loss cycle because we don't have to be necessarily as aggressive because you have so much muscle mass. And the more that you have, the more calories you burn and the more fat that you lose. So the more time you could spend in recomp and build muscle, the better off you're gonna be. And that's why we do recommend spending most of your time in recomp um, because that's really the key to fat loss. So I just have to correct you on one thing because I, I get the spirit of what you're saying and what Ed's saying in there is that when you go to a lab and you get tested for metabolism, one of the biggest things that they're going to test for is the amount of muscle that you have. But that is actually not the only factor related to your metabolism. How much you eat, how much you digest, and how much your brain uses um, are also big factors as it relates to metabolism. So I, I get the spirit of where you were saying you weren't completely wrong, uh, but, but I, I felt like someone could take you to task there. And so I wanted to kind of clear that little piece up. No, you're right. Yeah, I forgot about digestion, but yeah. Cool, Amber? I think part of this is also, is talking about expectations and setting up a game plan with your coach. So uh, not only setting the client, uh, the coach setting the client's expectations for here's where I want to be, whether it's some arbitrary number or it's for a specific event or it's whatever it is, but talking about expectations in conjunction with talking about a long-term game plan. So 2019 is coming up fast. So what's going on in this next year and where do you want to be? Maybe it's, you know, not that specific number. Maybe it's for a competition. And how does a fat loss cycle for that 115 pound 5'7 female work in that year with events coming up? So uh, having that conversation with your coach is vital so that everybody's on the same page to map it all out. Whether you are the 245'3 female, and we're gonna go through one of a fat loss cycle when are we going to do it because you don't want to do it in june like paul said we don't want to be in fat loss in june so if you're coming out of it now will we build up high enough where are you and what does that look like so that you can get the biggest bang for your buck so i know ed's talked a little bit about recomp i just wanted to hit on communication expectations and setting a long-term game plan to achieve these goals 
Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. One thing I want to say is that when you're in, in recomp and, you know, you're hitting your numbers and you're going to the gym and your weight is staying the same, um, we have a tendency just as human beings to want to do something novel. So no habit is going to stay interesting forever. So, you know, your motivation dips a little bit, you stop tracking here and there, and then you say, um, you know, I need to do something new because um, I'm bored right now. So you say to your coach, um, let's do fat loss. Uh, so this is where I'm saying let's have a plan because oftentimes, you know, the biggest threat to your success isn't isn't failure. Sometimes it's just boredom. So if you had planned at the beginning of the year, I'm going to do fat loss this month. And here we are. You know, it's, you haven't made it that long, but you said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of bored right now. Let's, let's change the calories. Like um, that's actually hurting you. <laughs> so. Um, talk, you know, your coach is there because we see the bigger picture. We see the long-term reality and we want you to stick with something long enough. So if you saw my post before on Facebook, I was talking about letting go of your timeline as far as when you need to hit, um, you know, when do I have to hit this goal? When do I have to lose 20 pounds? When do I, when do I want to see differences in my body? Um, you know, let go of that piece and then start focusing on, um, you know, process related goals. So um, when am I going to hit that deadlift? When am I going to, um, you know, be able to run five miles without walking? When am I going to be able to, you know, those sorts of goals? And then the the other, the bigger picture, the recomp goals or the weight loss goals and all that stuff will, will come with that. Um, but it's that timeline. And then it's just that overall getting bored in recomp um, that I see over and over again as kind of these, the bigger obstacles in this picture. Um, I mean, that 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 was so brilliant what you just said. Um, the it's very common for people to say to us, "I'm green all the time and nothing's changing." And then once again, they came to us eating 1,100 calories. You know, they're 124 pounds. They're eating 3,400 calories as a female, right? Um, you know, they're now you know, 57th in the region for a CrossFit Games athlete. You know what I mean? Like there's all these things. Everybody sort of just judges things. And like Susie's saying, is boredom just overtaking you, right? Or are you too obsessed on the wrong thing? I mean, like realistically, should you be losing weight, eating 3,400 calories, right? I mean, at a certain point, this is this is this is actually something we really haven't touched on, right? Because we haven't really been talking about the recomp side. But there's two things. There's two ways of being, right? There's technically three ways of being. Okay, there is the the high, right? And at the high, you're really trying for more effort and potentially putting on lean mass. That's how you replace fat with muscle. You have to do that with effort and calories, right? And then there's the low, which, you know, let's be real, you know, probably has to hurt a little bit for you to see success at that level, right? And so that's really kind of what fat loss is. So a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of people that get up to these really high numbers 
and they were doing really good and they put on a lot of muscle and things of this nature, but they don't realize how low you're going to need to go in fat loss to really see a, a real good result there, right? And so um, kind of keep that in mind. What people want is in middle land, right? What they want is the idea of eating just enough to be able to go to the gym and not feel a lot of pressure and and kind of, you know, just kind of eke on by, right? And the reality is, is that middle land gives you no options at all. And you don't build any muscle, you're not getting better, and it's very difficult to lose fat in that scenario. I can't tell you how many people that come to us actually end up eating more than they were previously, but because they become more efficient, they're able to see better results at a higher calorie point because realistically, they didn't want to go as low as all their other friends that were suffering going, right? So they kind of went into this middle place that was just enough to where they didn't didn't suck all the time, but not really enough to actually kind of see a result, right? At the end of the day, you have to be kind of be pushing the high side, <coughs> avoid the push to boredom, and then only occasionally using that really sucky period to kind of be used in a cute way. But in both instances, you're addressing fat loss. In the middle, you're not. Yes, middle land is not where you want to be. Um, oh gosh, okay, we've gone way over. So I think we probably talked a lot about this. Um, let's just go on and ask your questions because we're already at 1220. So, um, but that slide was really just about food is is not the enemy and we've we, I think we've beat that we beat that horse. So um, yeah. you guys ask your questions. Um, thank you for sticking around as long as you have. Um, I'm going to have Amber read them off as they start coming in. Um, go for it, Amber. Sure. On that last slide, one of the bullets was what if I gain weight back? And in fact, Tracy says my experience was that I did gain a little bit of weight back. Uh, so uh, she's mentioning that 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 was her experience. Paul, do you see a lot of people gaining weight back in the AP phase? Well, not in the AP phase. In the recon phase, of course, that's that's somewhat the goal, right? You're trying to put on muscle. You can't put on muscle and stay the same weight, right? Um, and, of course, I think somebody's coming to my door. Um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they're just dropping something off. But, um, you know, the, the problem with what she's saying is it lacks context, right? I've been dieting since I was five years old. My mother put me on Weight Watchers when I was eight, right? I became an ultra marathoner when I was 16. All of these things affect your eat form journey 30 years before you ever showed up at my doorstep, right? So it's very possible that you may have gained weight, gained muscle in that scenario, and it's kind of interesting because a lot of times people will say, nope, pretty sure it was fat. Well, all you're really saying in that instance is what you're using for working out is not enough for the adaptation of stimulus, right? So a lot of times, like I say, you know, someone will, and, and look, you know, I run, you know, I think everybody should run. 
I think that everyone should have things like that into their life. And it's an, an important goal. But if you're saying to me, you know, that I've only gained fat and I only run, then we have to look at trying to change up your routine so we can hold on to a little bit more muscle, right? I'm not going to let you off the hook, Tracy, right? Is that you came to us with a history and we're trying to improve on that history. And so once again, I would challenge you to kind of take it as I wonder what I wonder what we could do, but it's but very much look at maybe your body actually wanted to gain a little bit of weight so you could put it on a little bit of muscle and maybe it reacted to you know lack of stimulus, certain type of stimulus. Like a great example would be when you first start CrossFit. You hear this all the time. I can't believe I'm working out this much and I've gained weight. Right. Well, guess what reason you've gained weight for? Because now your body's putting on muscle, right? Your body's actually using the nutrients that you've been eating to get you a specific result. It's very common for people to put on 10 pounds of muscle. I put on 15 pounds of muscle in the first six months of CrossFit. I never lifted a weight in my life previous to that. Right. So you have to kind of keep in mind that all the things you're doing, all the changes that you're making, why are you making these changes? If you're making the changes for just to go to the scale to go down, you're sort of missing the bigger picture, right? And that's why we have to have other data points to kind of keep in mind. Cool. All right. Deirdre says she's kind of in an enforced fat loss because um, she's recovering from surgery and uh, her appetite hasn't returned yet, um, but she's struggling to get in about 1200 calories a day. Um, had a pretty good runway going into surgery and um, slow getting steps. She's, she's just recovering, she's not performing. So should she go into AP once she's able to do some light cardio and her appetite returns? Or how does she handle it when she's ready to exit this fat loss? Well, people say that all the time, right? I'm eating 1,200 calories and I don't have an appetite. Well, the reason why you don't have an appetite is because you're eating 1,200 calories, right? I mean, the and once again, that's a version of middle land, by the way, right? When your body adjusts to stimulus and you don't change. So naturally, you should be looking at it similar to the way you are. Um, but I'm going to challenge you on one thing as someone who went through two years of surgery and ate 4,000 calories a day, the, you're causing the problem, right? You can get away with a lot more. What happens with your body? This is another thing that, that stimulates metabolism, right? When your body is healing from an injury, your metabolism speeds up as a result and you need more food. What happens is, is that you guys panic because you figure, well, I'm not going to the gym that much. The difference being is that even though you're not going to the gym that much, your body is actually upregulating to deal with it. So because your weight went up a pound or two, you kind of panic. You said, pull down all my calories. 
and and you can kind of see that that's not the end game. So yes is the answer. AP is going to be a little bit more of the suggestion. You said 1,200 calories. It doesn't sound very eat to perform. So I'm assuming that you're just kind of doing your own thing. But that's a great example of where logic. And I'll tell you specifically. Um, and I know I know that you know Susie keeps saying that we're going long and and, and stuff like this. Um, don't invite me on these things if we're not going to go long. So, you know, all of you know me. You know how this is going to go. I'm long-winded, right? But I'm going to answer this lady's question. You know, and the answer to this lady's question is basically when I went through my first one, I did what you did. But I was body fat testing at the time, and in the process, I lost 10 pounds. So that told me, okay, that was really bad. I should not do that really bad thing. And so um, the next time I did it, and that's when I ate 4,000 calories, and that's when I kept my muscle. I actually lost a little bit of muscle, but I didn't lose 10 pounds of muscle like I did previous because I was scared to gain weight. And I had lost so much weight, you know, that, you know, um, I felt like I just needed to suffer more. You know, and it's this suffer more idea that's kind of hurting people. Well, yeah, and I think that um, people don't realize how hard it is to, to gain lean muscle. And so um, you think like, oh, I'm not eating as much. I'm actually dropping some weight after this injury, probably dropping muscle. And then, you know, the second thing is that um, an injury is stress on your body or surgery is very stressful to your body. And then trying to be low calorie and being under a lot of stress. Um, is actually counterproductive for what you want. So um, I certainly understand not being able to eat maybe for like a week, um, you know, that sort of thing. But eventually you really, really should work toward eating more. Um, all right, Amber. I'm just going to ask you guys, have you ever seen anyone that macroed their way fat? No. Right? Like, like they tracked their macros the whole way and they became obese as a result. I would venture to say I've never seen that in my whole life, and I've literally seen hundreds of thousands. It, it's just this bullshit narrative that everybody has. If you're working with a coach, we're not going to let you gain weight, right? That is not what, what, what is going to happen. We're going to allow your weight to fluctuate, right? But this idea that suddenly you get obese by by tracking your macros and and 140 calories every two weeks is going to make you fat. Like, that's just not jive with reality. And I'm sorry that I'm using the F word, you know, both F words, you know, F, the, the real F word and then fat. But but there's just no other way to emphasize it without saying that, you know. Um, no, but it sounds I I like she's asking if she should get more calories and – and once she can do activity, like it's like she's going to earn her food. She can get more food if she can do more activity and mm. keep the calories low until she can earn her food, which is is not what we're doing. That's yeah. not the goal. So kind of got a little need to flip flop that a little bit there, girl. All right. We've got uh, Becky says uh, she's at day 11 in the AP phase and found AP harder than the first fat loss phase. Um, she said she's hungry and not green. She's not yellow, but she's red. Like she is starving in AP. Um, she's not as sore this week, and but hasn't seen that low scale number 
in a bit and really hasn't lost an AP. Um, she said, I'm just, I'm hungry. Um, more pull-up squat PR and trying to concentrate on that versus seeing a low number on the scale. So I used to, I used to say this in webinars or, uh, well, I said this everywhere, but I said this in live seminars every single time. My sex life is better. I'm eating more food. I go to the gym more. Um, my my husband loves me more. My kids love me more. The whole world has changed. Every time I walk around, a unicorn rides me around. But damn it, that scale weight. You know? <laughs> First of all, I never said that you're going to lose weight in the AP phase. It's always going to come down to effort. What you're seeing is that your metabolism is saying to, your metabolism is speeding up. That's why you're more hungry, right? And so it's actually sending you a signal that this is the more correct path, right? In terms of like weight loss in a in a fat loss stage or something of this nature, you know, we we can't really have those discussions without the specifics, right? This is why we don't coach you in the forums. Right. There we, we used to try to coach people in the forum six years ago. And then we were like, well, there's really no context to this discussion. And so we created this app and we allowed you coaches and, and all this type of stuff so we can have some context to the situation. So I would say get together with your coach. But the reality of the situation is this is. You know. If we were talking about the 240-pound example that I was talking about earlier, that person should expect more weight loss. I think there's a lot of, you know, 140-pound people, 127-pound people that want to lose like 15 pounds. And it's like, but you're 140 and you're 5'9 and you're 8% body fat. Like, like, like logically, that shouldn't make sense. And then what you do matters right and so when you look at you know trying to just kind of dehydrate your body and then not work out and stuff like that it's like oh wow that was really awesome i lost 10 pounds no you you i mean you did lose 10 pounds of water right but when you're working out to hold water into your body and you're you know what susie said kind of resonated with me a little bit earlier that this idea of that you lose muscle mass um, and that it's really hard to gain back, the good majority of the time you're actually just manipulating water one way or the other, right? And so what you want to do is keep enough water into your body so that you're most effective because the reality of any way that you diet, right, whether it's low carb, low fat, whatever, more often than not, you're dealing with hydration levels. And if you can stay working out, that's going to hold water and muscle into your body better. But it's always kind of a diminishing return thing. All right, cool. All right Amber. Okay, so we've been, I've uh, got one last quote to end on that I love. So Heidi says, I just want to say thank you for this valuable information. And I love these webinars. So thank you, Heidi. That's very sweet. Susie? Yes, thank you, guys. Thank you, all of you who stuck on. Um, on. This information is always available to share. Um, the recording is the same link that you use to join. But we will 
um, obviously share this recording in the groups as well. So everybody, uh, we won't be back till after Thanksgiving. So have an awesome holiday. Enjoy some food. Um, enjoy some time with family. And we will be back in a couple of weeks. Enjoy your stuffing. Bye, <laughs> uh, guys. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. We don't say guys. <laughs> <laughs>